Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash malicious compliance, and next, a word from our sponsors. Our next Reddit post is from Cuboid Homonym. I used to be a service manager at one of the biggest locations of a popular Mexican grill. I won't say which, but guacamole was a buck ninety-five extra, and we were required to ask everyone if they were okay paying that price. One Sunday morning, our second busiest shift of the week, two of my line people called out, so we were struggling to get all of our prep done before opening at 11. We were just wrapping up when in comes Karen at 10 minutes before opening through the side door marked employees only, with 15 preteen girls in tow. My cook recognizes her as she regularly comes in during the dinner shift and is extremely abusive and cruel to all the Latino workers. Karen tells me they can order whatever they want, throws her credit card at me, and goes to sit down at a table and diddle on her phone. Now, I can't ring up her order without her standing there because of the company rules, and I'm 30 weeks pregnant and just want to take my break. I did my pregnant waddle over to Karen's table to try to inform her of that when she literally flicks her hand at me to dismiss me. Not only have I been at the store since 7 and done two different people's jobs on top of my own, I have my son's head grinding against my pelvic bones and kicking me like crazy. I'm in no mood. When I try to tell her again, she looks at me with what I can only describe as seething contempt and says, What part of they can get whatever they want did you not understand? I don't care what you charge me as long as I get a receipt. Don't interrupt me again or I'll get your fat butt fired. Now, I never cry, but that almost got me. Motherhood is awesome, but pregnancy sucks. I finally managed to pick my jaw off the ground and stammer, All right, ma'am, I'll ring up whatever they want and bring you a receipt. The girls were really nice, and most of them ordered double meat, and they all got a bottled water and chips with guac. Every last one. My cashier and I are just vibrating with glee as we ring them up and watch the bill climb to like 250 bucks. I brought the bill to Karen and was pretty excited when she didn't immediately check it. I made my own food and told the cook to come get me when the show starts. I'm halfway done eating when I see him waving to the camera, howling with laughter, so I head up. Karen is foaming at the mouth and screaming for the manager. And when she sees that that manager is me, she literally grinds her teeth and slaps her receipt on the table. She manages to choke out the word, REFUND. The girls have all pretty much finished their food, so I inform her that I won't be doing that because I would lose my job for giving away that much critical inventory for free. Then I gently remind her that she told me twice that they could get anything as long as she got a receipt. She just keeps demanding a refund and calling me stupid and fat. Again, I'm pregnant. At this point, her screaming is holding up a very long line and customers are shouting at her to just leave. That's when she pushed me, effing hard. My cashier caught me, so I didn't fall down, but two of our regulars, who are police, see it and immediately cuff her. In this state, any use of physical force against a pregnant woman is classified as aggravated battery or something like that. I felt bad for the kids and I was fine, so I kept telling them I didn't want to press charges, but they said at that point it didn't matter, because the woman had done it in front of on-duty officers, so she was getting arrested. They had to call the kids' parents to come get them because she was their church's youth leader and get statements. My general manager came in and let me go home with a full day's pay. The Karen tried to take the case to trial, but they had video on like 20 witness statements, so she ended up taking a couple years probation or something. 
All because I did exactly what she told me to. The thing I can't figure out about this story is, what was this Karen expecting to happen? 250 bucks divided by 15 kids is like 16 bucks per person, which is pretty reasonable for lunch. Was she expecting all those kids to just order like an empty taco shell? Our next Reddit post is from Jackson Page. Back in 2012, I worked as a medic for the largest medic service in Louisiana as a remote paramedic on a drilling rig. I was hired on in 2007 and was chosen at random several times a year for a drug test. Every time I was chosen, I was either at work or on training, so it wasn't a big deal. Enter 2012. I had just returned home on the Thursday before Memorial Day from a two-week stint on the rig in the Gulf of Mexico. I got a phone call around 4pm on Friday saying I had 24 hours to complete a drug test. I was by the pool and a six-pack in when I got the call. I asked where I needed to go to pee in a cup. My options were Jacksonville, Atlanta, or New Orleans. And for clarity, OP lives in Panama City Beach, Florida. There were no other authorized places to accept my exceptional urine. And I had 24 hours. I called up a few friends and they decided New Orleans would be the best spot to spend Memorial Day. To follow all the compliance, we drove to New Orleans, partied all night, booked the only hotel we could find, ate at really expensive restaurants, peed in a cup, then went back to the French Quarter. I stayed one more night and drove home on Sunday. I turned in my expense report as follows. 400 miles of travel one way, 220 bucks. One meal in New Orleans for Friday night, 50 bucks. One night in the French Quarter, 299 bucks. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, 150 bucks. One night in the French Quarter, 349 bucks. Breakfast, 50 bucks. 400 miles home, 220 bucks. Lunch, 50 bucks. 16 hours billed as overtime at 40 bucks an hour, 640 bucks. Total billed $1,948. My supervisor probably shot himself, but I got paid. And now there are more authorized places to piss in a cup. And until my departure from them in 2014, I never was selected again for a random test. This makes me wonder, there have been a lot of instances on planet Earth where someone's had to pee in a cup, and I guess some are more expensive than others, right? So it stands to reason that somewhere out there is the world's most expensive pee in a cup. I'm guessing the most expensive cup would probably belong to like an athlete who had to get flown to some facility or something. But still, it makes me wonder, does OP's cup of pee at least rank in like the top 10 most expensive cups of pee of all time? Our next Reddit post is from Zoysara, a company I worked for as Global, with offices all over the globe. It wasn't often, but it was expected that if you were needed on a call outside of your business hours, you'd make arrangements to join. It was typically a crazy one-off scenario where they needed to find an urgent time slot for a single call. It sounds awful, but it was really infrequent and most folks were very conscientious when planning meetings. In comes a stupid meeting leader, we'll call her Karen, based in Europe, who scheduled a weekly reoccurring call at what would be 4am for the West Coast USA. I was East Coast, so 7am for me wasn't bad, but I reminded the meeting leader that the meeting made for the next day was outside of their hours. She said they'd be able to see the meeting in the afternoon and be able to accept for the next day. It was especially selfish because there were eight participants from the West Coast and Karen was the only one in Europe. The next day, no one from the West Coast joined. 
Karen made a big stink about it to management that they'll all have to join weekly for this call. Sadly, it worked, and those poor souls had to join at 4 a.m. every Friday. Within only two to three weeks, someone from the West Coast became very interested and offered to champion the project and become the leader. Karen was happy to relinquish leadership and be a participant only. The... (laughs) I already know where this is going. That very same day they took over the meeting, the reoccurring meeting was moved to normal business hours afternoon West Coast time, which was evening Europe time. Karen was not happy and in the first meeting kept making remarks about how it's very late Friday evening for her whenever she'd answer a question. My brain is a bit fried because it's late evening here, but... Or, let's not drag this topic out any further as happy hour here has already started, haha. On the third week of the rescheduled call, she stopped joining, even though her participation was key, being the only representative from Europe. The new leader had to go to management and get her to join, and when I dropped off the project, they were still meeting Fridays. I hope she learned her lesson. I sincerely hope in my heart of hearts that Karen's Friday nights are ruined for as long as she has this job. Our next Reddit post is from Sheik Hire Booty. Back in my call center days, a frequent issue among our female techs was to get someone who would insist on being transferred to a male tech. This happened at least once a week. My friend, Valerie, got a customer who insisted that he speak with a man before even mentioning his problem, saying, No offense, honey, but I just don't think you're qualified. If a customer ever requested to speak with another technician for whatever reason, the policy was to tell the customer to call back. When told this, the customer demanded to speak with the supervisor. So, he did. He spoke with the only female supervisor, Liz, on the floor, who loved getting these kinds of escalations. She asked the customer why specifically he felt the technician who transferred him wasn't qualified to assist him. Apparently, Liz had a habit of letting any female new hires know that if a customer wanted to speak to a supervisor because they demanded a man, they're free to let her know. It gets better. Liz had told me that normally these calls end with a very resigned and defeated customer being transferred back to a different and female tech to resolve the issue. But the customer that escalated from my friend refused to believe that another woman would be in any position of authority in our company and demanded to speak with Liz's boss. Liz told the customer that she was the final point of contact he was going to get, and if he didn't like it, he could call the corporate office. The customer assured Liz that he would do so and hung up. A week later, Liz finds out that the customer actually did call corporate to complain. However, unlike tech support, the customer interaction department at the corporate office was mostly women. When the VP of customer service got wind of this guy, she made sure that the few female members of her staff were suddenly unavailable to speak with him, and even spoke with the customer personally. Unfortunately, ignorance often knows no bounds, so the customer continued to call back and harass the staff, using choice language and vague threats, until he finally managed to speak with a man a representative of the company's legal department who let the customer know that all calls with him had been recorded, that they consider any future attempts to contact them to be harassment, and he can expect a cease and desist letter in the near future. Liz said that it was the first time she'd had the legal team follow up with anything she had done before. Down in the comments, we have a similar story from Andy Candy. 
We had to send a cease and desist letter to a customer for the first time in my 10 years of working with my company because he was purposefully calling until he got a woman and then threatened her like absolute garbage on the phone during the entire call. He thought he could bully and demean his way into getting what he wanted and when the agent said no, he would go ballistic. What was his issue you ask? He demanded that we give him a PPP loan. My company doesn't service loans. We're strictly checkings and savings accounts for college students. No matter how many different women told him this in many different ways, he'd still start screaming obscenities and calling them horrible names as soon as the words, I'm sorry sir, but escaped their lips. He even went so far as to figure out how to get to the voicemail of some of the female managers and left them long, ranting messages filled with F you, F you, B word. F your effing useless effing company and your effing useless job. I hope you effing die, you useless effing B word. Just 10 minutes straight of stuff like this. What the F is wrong with some people? Our next Reddit post is from Winter Tote. I was employed at a rather large factory, which is one of the largest plant-based companies in the world, recently bought by an investment firm not so long ago. Anyways, I developed a program which was used at the factory. It could tell whenever any machines weren't running, even if it was due to a manual stop or anything else. My program knew the reason why the machine was idling. This program made it so much easier for the entire factory. Workers were happy because they didn't need to do any manual work and write down every time the machine stopped. About a year ago, the factory appoints a new chief. All the old employees that were in a leader position were let go because it was time for new blood to come in. There was a lot of talk about selling off parts of the factory, including machines and so on. This included programs that I had developed, including the program that identified whenever a machine had stopped. I developed this program in my spare time, showed it to the old management, and they liked it enough that they wanted to use it on every station in the factory. Every machine was to use this program. All that had to be done was for the program to be maintained weekly. My program was implemented about five years ago. When the newly appointed factory chief wanted to let the old employees, me included, leave, it was not known that I was the person behind that program. Anyways, at my meeting with HR and the factory chief, I said that I was willing to sell them the program and teach someone how to maintain the program. The factory chief laughed in my face and said it was the company's property and that it was simply their program and not mine. I offered to show them the source code and everything, but it led up to the point where if I was to tamper with the program before my departure, they would sue me. I was officially left go. The two-month countdown began, and after two months, I was free. After a week or so, they noticed problems with the program. It would stop loading, stop registering stops, and it would mislabel stops. I knew that this was when the fun was about to begin. After a month, I was called into the office and was told that I had tampered with the program because it had suddenly stopped working. I let them know that someone had to maintain it. I was ordered to teach someone how to do that job and I told them, after you pay me for the program rights. They wouldn't budge and I was told to return to work. When I had a week left, I strolled around the factory floor for a while and noticed that no stations were running my program anymore. I asked the operators why that was and they told me, it just stopped working. Now we need to fill out forms every time the machine stops manually. I shrugged and told them to thank the factory chief. I left after that week and got a phone call about a month after I left where they begged me to sell them the rights and teach someone how to maintain it. I never sold them that program. 
Instead, I sold an improved version to another factory nearby where I am now employed. OP, I don't know what country you live in, but that part about they said they would sue you if you disabled the program, I'm pretty sure that's massively illegal. That was r slash malicious compliance, and if you like this content, follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcasts every single day.